Well, in a moment, uh, Nicola Wade is going to come and speak to us, and we're going to continue our series on the King and the Kingdom. But before we do so, we're going to read from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, the word should appear on the screen behind me. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus then told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with, what, with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's make Nicola feel very welcome as she comes to speak to us. Thank you so much. Well, hello to everyone online. Hello to everyone in the room. Thank you, Richard and Joanna, for reading that passage. We've got a long passage this morning, um, and my notes are upside down, so we'll make them right, the right, right way up. But we've got a long passage this morning. We have three stories, and in these stories, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are grumbling and moaning because he is spending time and welcoming and eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. And when Jesus puts three stories together, he's usually making a point across all three stories. And in this, he is doing that. These are three stories about three lost items, the lost sheep, coin, and son. And I'm sure you can remember a time when you've lost something where you can't find it. It might have been this morning when you were trying to get out for church and you couldn't find your car keys or your wallet or your kid had lost its shoes or whatever it was. Or you might have actually remembered a time when you were lost yourself and you knew that fear and panic set in when you realized how lost you were. And what Jesus is illustrating in these stories about the lost items is the heart of God. The heart of God for the lost. Someone who knows that the item is lost. Someone who goes in search of this item and then makes a big public celebration when that item is found. And I know for me that not every lost item gets this reaction. I do understand the woman when she turns her, her house upside down in search of the coin. I did that recently, not for a coin, but for my spare pair of glasses. These ones needed to have new lenses in, and I can't function or see as a human being without glasses. And so my spare pair of glasses were really important to me. And there was a moment of celebration as I found them inside of me, but I did not call up my friends and family and say, come over, I found my spare pair of glasses, let's celebrate. You don't hold a celebration for just anything. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, what would I hold a celebration for if something was found? And really, it boiled down to people. The closest people that I have in my life, if they went lost, if they went missing, and they were found, I would celebrate that. That would be cause for a big celebration. And this is what Jesus is illustrating. He is saying that God cares for and loves the lost so much that they are worth the search. And the only way to respond when they are found is to celebrate. God's heart is for the lost. His heart is for the tax collectors and sinners. That's why Jesus was with them. It's why he ate with them. And his heart is for you and for me. Because we're all lost, each one of us. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that we are all sinners the Pharisees might have classed a specific group of people as sinners, but actually we all sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so we are all separated from God by our sin. We all go our own way, put ourselves as first. We put ourselves in God's place, we don't trust him, and in doing so we separate ourselves from him. 
We are the lost items in these stories. But just as for the shepherd woman and the father, those items were important, valued, and loved, we are important, valued, and loved by the father. This is God's heart for us. He rejoices over you when you repent and you come back to him and you are found. He rejoices over us because he sees us as highly valued and worthy of the search and worthy of the rescue. This is his father heart of the kingdom. And we so clearly see this in the last of the three stories in the story of the lost son echoed in the actions and words of the father. And so we're going to focus on that story today. And so this story, the story of the lost son, we have a father and we have his two sons. We have the younger son who's a little bit more rebellious. He just takes his inheritance and leaves and lives life on his own terms. As the Bible describes it, it was wild. And the older son, he seems more like the model child. He works hard, does everything that is asked of him. His life was maybe a little less wild. But what we find in this story, the story of the lost son, is that actually there are two lost sons. Both sons are separated from the father because they both sin against the father. Both are actually after what the father has and not the father himself. They are both self-centered, thinking about what they want. They just go about it in different ways. But through this, we see the heart of the father. And in turn, we see the heart of the father for us. We see a father who has love, compassion, forgiveness, kindness and grace for both of his sons, regardless of what they do or how lost they are. We're going to look at each son, how they're lost and how the father responds, but we're going to start with the younger son. It's a little easier to see his rebellion and how lost he is. He is not secretive or subtle about what he wants. He comes straight out with it and asks the father for his inheritance. And this isn't a great thing to do. Asking for your inheritance before that person is dead probably wouldn't go down too well nowadays, but it was even worse in that time. It really was like the son was saying, I don't need you, dad. I don't want you. You're dead to me. I just want your stuff. And to add insult to injury, the son splits the father's estate. He takes the property that he's given as his inheritance and he sells it. And this would have caused even more shame to the father in this time. It might not seem like the worst thing for us today to kind of see what this person has done. But at at this time, these actions of the son would have really been grounds for the son to be thrown out of the family. What the son does is huge. It's awful. And here, right at the beginning, we see the love compassion and grace of the father towards his son. He didn't have to give his son his inheritance, but he does. He lets his son have his share of inheritance and go off to a distant land. And the son leaves and he lives life on his own terms, but it soon loses its glamour. And it soon, he soon finds that it isn't living up to expectations. And while he feeds pigs and dreams of eating their food, which really was the lowest moment for this son, because he was Jewish, and under Jewish law, anything to do with pigs would make you unclean. And so feeding and 
feeding the pigs and wanting to eat their food would have made it even worse. But at this point, feeding the pigs, he realizes where he is and what he has done. He realizes his sin and how lost he is. He realizes that his father was really the thing that he needed and that life with the father was far better than life without him. Have you been the younger son? You might be in that place today. You might be aware of your sin and actually aware of how life isn't living up to the expectations and how you need God. You might be here in the room or watching online because actually you're at your lowest and you, you don't know where to turn. Maybe you've gone after the things that you thought would fulfill you or give you life satisfaction, but it's not living up to expectations and there is still that sense of being lost. The younger son reaches this point, aware of his sin and how lost he is while feeding the pigs. And from verse 13, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son heads home repentant. He has a plan. He wants to be with his father, but he knows that he can't be his son, so he decides to go for hired servant instead. And you can picture the response of the father. You can picture him stood on his porch looking out for the son, looking out for his son to return. And he sees a glimpse on the horizon, and as soon as he realizes that glimpse is his younger son, he lifts up his robes and he starts running to his son, overwhelmed with joy and love that his son is back. And he welcomes his son back, not as a hired servant, but as a son in his family. The younger son didn't deserve this reaction. He should not have been accepted back into the family for what he had done. But the father's love for his son was so great that when his son comes back, aware of how much he needs his father, he is completely forgiven, made new, and his father holds a celebration in his honor. His father is so overjoyed that his son who was once lost is found. His son who was once dead is alive. And here Jesus shows us again, through the father in the story, the heart of God for us. This is how God the father reacts to us as we come home to him. His love for us is this extravagant and far more than we ever deserve. He loves to see us come home aware of our sin and our need for him, but we can come home, we can be made found in him. And his reaction to our, when we do come home is to celebrate. There are celebrations in heaven when we come home to him. We are made restored and found in him, adopted into his family. You are deeply loved and important to God. And he really wants to welcome you home. If you're in that place of the younger son, you can come home to the father today. 
and know that love and complete forgiveness. Do you know this? Do you know that you can be found in God? Do you know his extravagant and overflowing love for you? It's good news. We have one son who was found, he was lost and he's found. But the story doesn't end there. We have another son, the older son. And as I said earlier, he is also lost. He might look like the model son, hardworking, doing all that is asked of him. He doesn't seem separated or lost from the father. He lives with the father. So how is he lost? Well, he comes back from working in the fields to find the celebration happening that his young, wayward younger brother has come back and his father has welcomed him back into the family. And it says from verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who was, has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He is lost and he is found. And at this point in this culture, at that point, time, point of time, what the son is doing in refusing to go into the party, forcing his father to leave his party, and basically telling his father off in front of others, is really quite disrespectful to his father. He's sinning against his father. And it might not be to the same extent as his younger brother, but he is disrespecting him nonetheless. And we see in his outburst that just like the younger son, he was after what he could get from the father and not after relationship with the father. He went about it in a different way. He thought he could earn the things that he wanted. He thought if he was good enough, then his father would owe him. But he had got it all wrong. He'd missed the point. He thought that if he could do it himself, that he was good enough on his own. And he lived with the father, worked with the father, but really missed knowing the father and his love for him. He couldn't earn his father's love because it was freely given. And I get the older son. I, I understand it. I'm more in his camp than I am in the younger son's camp, which I don't really want to be in. But I've been a Christian most of my life. I have followed God, sacrificed things for him, and been obedient to his ways. And I know I can find myself starting to think that I'm good enough. And I know that seed of jealousy, anger, and doubt of God's love for me, when my prayers go unanswered or someone else gets the thing that I was hoping for in life and haven't had yet. The moments where I start to say, God, this isn't fair. Why them and not me? Have you not seen what I've given up and done for you? I don't even get a young goat and you give them that? I can find myself after what God has and not after God himself. Thinking just like the older son, that I can earn my way to these things, that I can earn God's love and that I might be just good enough. And then I know the anger and the hurt that the younger son feels when I'm reminded that this doesn't always work this way. In fact, it never works this way because I need God. 
I can't earn his love. None of us can. The younger son didn't earn or work for his welcome home and the extravagant love and forgiveness that his father gave him. It was given to him through no merit of his own. And this is the same of God's love and all he has for us. None of us can earn it. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it is just as easy to miss the wonderful and extravagant love of God inside of the church as it is outside of it. Are you like the older brother? Do you think you're good enough? Maybe you're not a Christian, but you kind of think you're okay. You're good enough. You haven't done any of the really bad sins. You'll make it on your own. Or maybe you are a Christian, but you're realizing that things have slightly shifted in your heart and you understand the older brother a little bit more and you're trying to earn your salvation, God's love, or the good things from him. How are you coming to the Father? The extravagant love of the Father is the same for his younger son as it is for his older son. The Father still loves the, fa- the older son despite what he has done and, how he com- and he comes to him pleading that he would come into the party. But where the younger son humbled himself, was aware of his need for God, for the Father, the older son comes in pride and anger, unaware of his need for the Father. And we don't actually know what happens to the older son. We don't know whether he stays outside, separated from the father, or whether he goes inside. He goes to his father, repentant and aware of his sin and his need for him. But we don't have to be like him. We can choose to go into the party. We can choose to repent and go to the father. Because God's heart is for you. We don't have to come fully fixed and having earned his love. He gives it to you freely. In him we find forgiveness and love that is undeserving of us, but we still find it. God's heart is for the lost. His heart is for each one of us, whether we find ourselves a little bit more like the older son or the younger son. His extravagant love does not change towards us. Do you know the love of the Father? Do you know his heart? And there are many similarities in these three stories in the passage. Um, and, but there is one difference. There's one thing that stumped me for a while until someone wiser told me. And, but while these other two stories, someone goes in search of the lost item, no one goes after the lost son. Why not? The shepherd goes after the sheep. The woman searches for the coin. The dad looks out for the son, but he doesn't go after the son. Jesus is showing us how God loves the lost. He searches for us. He goes after us. So why did no one go after the lost son? And here Jesus' listeners have a little bit of an advantage. They would have known the scriptures really well. You might also have this advantage. Um, But there's a passage in the Old Testament about a story of two brothers, similar to these two brothers, about Cain and Abel. And in this story, Cain, who is full of pride, kills his younger brother Abel. And when God asks him, where is your brother? He responds, fully well knowing that he's just killed him. I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer here is yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. He was meant to look after his brother, not kill him. 
And the oldest son in this story, and the oldest son in this story of the lost son, he doesn't kill his younger brother, but he doesn't go after him any either. He is not a good older brother. But this is in contrast with Jesus. Jesus is pointing to himself in this moment because Jesus is the ultimate, the best, the perfect older brother. Jesus is the one who came to find us. He came in search of us and made a way for us to be found in the Father. We all find ourselves lost, separated from God because of our sin. And none of us can cross the divide. None of us can make our way home on our own. We can't earn our way back to God's love. But we all need, are like the lost sheep, and needing someone to come and find us and carry us home. And Jesus did this. Jesus left heaven, became human, and died on a cross so that we could be found, so that we could be forgiven. You see, Jesus loves us just as the Father loves us. His love for us is extravagant and deep and wide, as, as just as the Father's is. And he knew there was a cost. He knew the cost in coming to search for us, and there was a cost. If the older brother had gone up after the younger son, it would have cost him in pride, time, effort, and also money. Everything the father had was his. And so if the younger son came back, any costs that he incurred would have to come out of his money. He was the one who would have to absorb the cost of his younger son, brother coming back. But Jesus paid the cost. He took our debt. He died on the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can come back to the Father, so that we can have life in him, knowing his full, wonderful, and extravagant love for us. We are found because of Jesus. We are made sons and daughters of the King because of Jesus, because he came to find us. Where are you at today? Are you like the younger son in the distant land? Are you like the older brother trying to earn his, God's love and your salvation? Do you know the extravagant love of God for you? It's only in Jesus that we're found. It's only through him that we're restored to God and know his deep love for each one of us. So let's come to him humbly aware of our need for him, leaving our pride at the door, and let's be found in God our Father.